what's astonishing to me, something like one in five residents who were were polled in in really one of the more significant outreach efforts that the city's done in recent years, say they've they've had to move um, due to rising rents. About 13% of them are about to have to do so. Good Thursday morning, and welcome back to The Daily Buzz. I'm Palak Jaiswal. First up, reporter Tony Semerad joins us to talk through the results from a new study about gentrification in Salt Lake City. Tony, it looks like there's a new study out that examines gentrification in Salt Lake City. Can you tell us a bit about it? Yes, it's it's called Thriving in Place and has been in the works for, for almost a year. Um, the city hired consultants last April, um, both at the University of Utah and at at University of California in in Berkeley. And it really really kind of tells people that have been watching this space a lot of what they already know, that um, we've got large numbers of residents who are are being displaced by um, the latest growth wave in in Salt Lake City. A, a, A lot of this development is leading to rising rents and, um, you know, pushing a lot of people out. And, and I mean, some, some, of the, some of the findings are just startling. So what are some of those startling stats or patterns that the study found? Well, you know, you've got, uh, uh, this one's astonishing to me, something like one in five residents who were, were, were polled in, in really one of the more significant outreach efforts that the city's done in recent years, say they've, they've had to move um, due to rising rents, about 13% of them are about to have to do so. Um, something like 95%, I mean, literally almost everyone is concerned about gentrification on some level. And 40, 40% of folks interviewed um, say they knew somebody who'd been displaced or, or forced out of the city due to financial and development pressures. And, and one of the more shocking things is the, the, the city finds that, uh, or the study finds that there are literally no affordable neighborhoods, no more affordable neighborhoods that people can move to when they're kind of in this pinch. Um, this is a kind of a prevailing um, condition um, across the city, um, especially for lower income residents and particularly for, for Black and, and, and Latino um, my, minority residents in the in the in the city, um, and um, you know this is this is likely to have a big effect on on some of the affordable housing policies that the city is uh, uh, pursuing. So, did the study suggest any possible solutions, or did they just share what they found? Well, now to be clear, this is phase one of what's called this thriving in place effort, and that kind of reflects the city's value that it wants to kind of keep existing residents in place during this growth wave so they can enjoy it, uh, you know, enjoy some of the, the, the benefits of additional investment and improved housing stock. Phase two is where those policy solutions are supposed to come forward. City, the city council's envisioning doing that uh, sometime by September. The study is suggesting kind of gentle approaches to encouraging infill and redevelopment in a lot of the city's neighborhoods. Um, you know, there, there are other ideas kind of go 
to other aspects of addressing this, uh, you know, kind of affordable housing shortage, which has been on the city's radar for at least five or six years now. Um, it, you know, some of the some of the policy suggestions are things the city cannot do by state law, such as supporting living wage and and um, other kinds of sort of zoning approaches, which are precluded by, you know, uh, the, the state legislature. But, uh, you know, there are ideas for kind of beefing up rental assistance and pursuing more public ownership of housing through through land trusts and that sort of thing. And, you know, the, the city council and, and the mayor are kind of going to take all of this and try to, um, you know, hammer out things by by the fall. Well, it looks like we'll, we're going to have to keep an eye out for phase two of this Thriving in Place project. Tony, thanks so much for joining us today. You bet. Thank you. Next, BYU Beat reporter Kevin Reynolds gives us an update from Arlington, Texas, where he is attending Big 12 Media Days. In exactly one year's time, BYU will officially become a member of the Big 12 Conference. But the bigger question is, what will that conference actually look like come 2023? Well, for the first time since realignment rocked the college football landscape, we got a glimpse into what that answer could be. New Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormach addressed the media for the first time on Wednesday, saying that his strategy will be summed up by aggression. Aggression in realignment, aggression in adding teams and expansion, and aggression in the biggest problem he faces, which is a media rights contract in 2025. But beyond an overarching view, there were few details doled out by the college football's newest commissioner that included no details on whether the University of Utah would be an option for expansion, or Arizona, Colorado, or Arizona State. For more from Arlington, Texas, please visit SaltLakeTribuneSports.com. Thanks, Kevin. That's it for today's episode. Make sure to tune in tomorrow for the day's biggest headlines. A huge shout out to the Salt Lake City band The Pelicans for our music and to Danny Rubio for producing today's episode. <laughs>